Welcome to Dorks on Sports. That's a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me today is Curtis, a, a newly minted Twitter warrior. How are you? How are you doing over there on on Seahawks Twitter sphere? There, Curtis. Oh, I'm feeling it out. I'm sort of I'm being a little coy. No, that's okay. Give the spicy I'm, take. Uh, we, yeah, I don't want, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, we, I'm not totally we can be in. another. Uh, the 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 Seahawks Twitter can hate us just like they're hating Pete Carroll right now. Are you playing Shane footsie Walden. with the trolls? <laughs> I'm playing. I'm now. No one's trolled me. I mean, it's all. That's good. You know, it's yeah, and you know, there's some people that are strangers that have liked what I've posted and stuff. So it's you know, it's baby steps. I just I I, I you know I um. I got really excited about it. And then all of a sudden I started feeling a little bit weird. Like I'm a middle-aged man on Twitter. Yeah. Well, you are a middle-aged man on Twitter. Spoiler, Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) Also joining us today is Alana. How are you doing over there? I'm doing all right. How's it going on your end? Yeah, no, I'm good. I, uh, my cat has decided to join me. So we got a fifth member for dorks on sports. And last but not least, we have Millie over here. Millie, my condolences. Derek Henry, just like he ran all over our Seahawks, ran all over your fantasy team. How how are you holding up? He sure did. Not great. And and our Uh, hearts. That particular uh, league, my opponent also had Cooper Cup. It was a real bad Oh, the uh, the best weeks in fantasy are the ones where you have the second most points in the league but you still lose. Yeah. It was one of those. That hurt. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a rough time. And Speaking Daniel, I have time. to tell you one thing real quick because I was asked to clarify um, that I do in fact have five fantasy football championships, yeah. one fantasy baseball championship for the what? one year I played that. <laughs> Look out. Millie is like talented. She's the for fantasy the queen. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we can bring some of those championships over to uh, uh, our Seahawks season. Uh, this last Sunday, though, was rough. Going into this game, we had lots of momentum, right? We had soundly destroyed the Colts. Uh, the pass rush was dominant. Russ was carving up defenses in this newly creative uh, Shane Waldron offense. We're going in. It's a home game. If we get a win, Russell Wilson gets a hundred wins in his career and we go in and uh, I mean, it starts, the game starts going like it did with the Colts, right? I, I, we go into halftime 24 to nine and it looks like we're on our way to cruise into another victory. Come out of halftime, we hand the game back to uh, the Titans, bring it into overtime. And as we all know, the Titans, uh, uh, kicked that field goal and um and we gave that game away right there in front of the 12s on the opening day millie these seahawks are they closer to what we saw in game one against the colts or are they maybe a little bit more like what we saw against the titans on sunday i am gonna stay positive and say they're They're the team we saw in week one. And I think um, the sad truth of it is we needed that week two to remind everyone that it's not that easy. 
yeah. and that you have yeah. to stick to the script yeah. and you have to play the disciplined ball that your yeah. coach told you to play. <laughs> you can't get stupid penalties. You have mm. to take the check down. Mm. All those lessons that worked out beautifully in week one, that it felt like every time we slipped back into old habits from last season, we were reminded why we ended up where we ended up last season. So I'm going to remain hopeful, but that was a sad, sad fourth quarter. It was, it was a really sloppy fourth quarter. There, there were moments in the third quarter uh, that I think was pretty great. I mean, that long touchdown was fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It all kind of started unraveling when uh, we missed that extra point. And then, of course, Derrick Henry broke containment and ran one off for 60 yards and a touchdown. When, uh, you know, if it, if it wasn't for that 60-yard touchdown, we would have held Derrick Henry to 3.5 yards a carry, which is, I, I mean, that's yeah. pretty for, – for, for, for most of the – for all of the game, until he broke that containment, uh, we, we had held him uh, pretty much where we wanted to. Uh, Curtis, what, what do you think happened? Uh, why did we lay that egg? <laughs> you know, we were doing so well in that first half. And, uh, and then we just kind of go out in the, a sloppy play and uninspired. And like even the coaching just kind of seemed a little, uh, lazy. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think it was a, it was, it was a team effort from the players and the coaches to an extent. Uh, I think they got caught up on hubris, you know, I mean, yeah. the, the, the broken containment on Derrick Henry, um, there was, there was actually, there was two times where it happened where he was, I look back at the plays where he was, it looked like it was sort of, you know, it was kind of, student body right like they were trying to run to the right side and a, a little misdirection you know, the, of, of 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 their line yeah and it was and and you know and, and the, it looked like jamal kind of bit on it well he did he did it on the second one and yeah but what happened there was there was two touchdown runs that henry had that i noted where he was going right. The defense was 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 you know the linebackers and the defensive linemen were crashing in that direction, and he it was almost kind of like rope a dope. Like he, I kind of feel like that might have been what was happening. Like like the the Tennessee Titans might have gotten wind of how Seattle was filling their gaps and how yeah. they were looking to take him away. And they sort of they were looking for opportunities, I feel like, to probably use the um, aggression, the intensity of the aggression of how they were hitting the gaps in their fits. Uh, I, I don't think it so was even like in, touchdown, it, I was just going to say the first touchdown run that I noted was in the red zone. And I think it was about a 12 yard scamper into the end zone. And. Daryl Taylor was in was, he was he was supposed to set the edge at the Sam linebacker position and he sort of floated inside when he thought the run was going that way and Henry just on a dime cut back the other way and it was an easy scamper and 
Jamal Adams did the same thing. <laughs> Jamal time. Adams did. And then Trey the Flowers, series. who was uh, supposed to be uh, the guy, you know, to back him up in case. Well, he like was. That happened, but, also was out of uh, position. But if 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 I'm going to really blame Adams on that one, because if Adams would have if he wouldn't have uh, shot that gap to try and make a play, to try and make a big splash, maybe he was feeling the impression, the, the pressure to you know, to, to, uh, to impress the 12s and all that yeah. sort of business, yeah. you know, and, and, and get them all fired up. He wanted to make a big play, it looked like, and he went for it. But if he would have stayed right there, yeah, he would have been there to set the edge. And then it would have been between Derek Henry and Jamal Adams and Trey Flowers. And then you would have had the free safety digs feeling right there like 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 henry might have gotten you know a, a four to six to eight yard gain out of it right but they would have been slowed down and stopped right and so it's just it's all it's all i mean it's just it's 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 really it's it, it's hubris i mean it's yeah. just like hey i'm gonna it, here's my opportunity to make a big play but you know the reserve defensive tackle robert Kemdichi you know, got in there and I saw him blow through a gap to try and make a big splash play in the backfield. And he completely whiffed on Henry and Henry took it right up inside to where he should have been occupying, you know, to slow him down. And that was like, you know, that was like a six to eight yard gain right there. And it was just, you know, it was just, I think it was just defenders doing too much. And I've, I've, I've actually taken issue with the fact that, Right now, the Seahawks are choosing to only carry three defensive tackles, and they're they're good. And Puna and Al Woods, oh my God, played marvelously, you know, given the circumstances. But they're like big men that are being asked to play a lot of minutes, and I just feel like that puts so much stress on the defense for four yeah. quarters. And I, guys start feeling like they need to take chances. And stuff. I noticed that as well. And I, I, I mean, I think it was partly by design, right? The, the game plan was clearly designed to stop Derrick Henry. Yeah. And you need those big guys to do it. Um, they didn't have but, enough, I didn't feel like. But I, I think when, when you're only going to like carry three big defensive tackles and you can't really rotate them out through the game you're asking a lot and they're going to get a little tired uh at the end and that's when running backs like Derrick Henry are able to take their chances I know Pete Carroll you know mentioned Adams uh in in his press in his presser after game presser about playing a little too aggressively um he took <laughs> some shots at Russell Wilson that you've never really heard Pete Carroll take. In <laughs> fact, his whole post-game press conference seemed a little uncharacteristic from Pete Carroll. He seemed, dare I say, impatient. And well, I got a question. I don't I know. Just, what's that? I got one question I want to throw out to the three yeah. of you right now, because this has been on my mind yeah. uh, for the last you know, two and a half, three days now after the game. Do you feel that Russell Wilson is addicted to the big play? Do you feel like he has a big play mm. addiction? Do you feel like I call it more of a big play erection? Like <laughs> to be perfectly honest, yeah, yeah, yeah think, you can take it there too. But... Have it? I think he wants it so badly that it's just spewing out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I, I mean, I'm from the. 
I'm coming from the perspective of, I mean, you folks kind of know my story a little bit. I, uh, over 10 years ago, I quit drinking. <clears throat> Not to go into all my sort of past, but, you know, I had a drinking problem. So I stopped. And there's, so one thing I feel like, you know, I'm able over the last 10 years to sort of detect is if somebody is, has characteristics of an addict. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wonder if, you know, if you think of the pantheon of big Russell Wilson moments, I mean, he's had so many spectacular big plays from well, like, he had like five of them on sunday yeah i mean a couple of them were blown coverage blown coverage just like but you know but he just i just feel like that. like there's some sort of wiring inside him i mean my god in the the last six minutes of the game and into the fourth quarter i mean carol was right to he was right no carol was right the whole purpose of this offense is to get rid of the ball quickly and, you know, that one pass in overtime to lock it on the sideline when he was in double coverage and he had floating right into the flat, Chris Carson, that if he would have dumped him out, the ball out to, that would have been like a 10 yard gain out of bounds and it would have kept so the drive going. It's just like, it's not, it's, I just, I just think something I don't have definitively have an answer, but I just, I'm very curious to see in this new adaptation of this supposed Ram style offense, if whether or not we get into moments in games where Russ gets away from it. I think, yeah, I have a couple of thoughts that are kind of related to this. I think one of the main things that I'm hearing um, in this conversation is a lot of granular detail about how the Seahawks failed to do things. And what Mm -hmm. I'm not hearing and what I think is true of this game is uh, the the perspective that the Titans took that from us. We didn't give it to them. They took it from us because that's how that team is built. Mm. That team is built to have Derrick Henry run and run and run and run and run and run and run. <laughs> and then by the end of the third quarter, middle of the third quarter, your players are gassed. Yeah. Well, it's exactly what we did with Marshawn Lynch when exactly, he was on the exactly. team. Exactly. And Derrick Henry is Marshawn Lynch plus what, 40 pounds of muscle? <laughs> and a little more agile. Yeah. And a little more agile and a little bit more uh, like, I will run through you, not just into you. Yeah. Um, he also he also caught some passes, which is something he's never gotten to do right in the last couple seasons. And yeah. suddenly they're throwing him the ball and he's got six catches. Yeah. And I think it's I think that that's important to, to remember. This is a team that made the playoffs this last year. Yeah. This is a team that surprised the entire NFL by running to the AFC champ- championship two years ago. They Derek Henry. If we didn't live in a world where the quarterback always wins the MVP, he would be up for MVP almost every year, yeah. uh, probably from two years ago to four years from now. He is a special back. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the, in addition to him, they've got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Julio Jones is legitimately, from a talent perspective, the greatest wide receiver of all time. I, and I think, you know, Jerry Rice has more stats and more uh, Super Bowl wins and it's legitimate to call him the greatest of all time but Julio and Jones, he had a you know a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing to him exactly and Julio yeah. Jones has not had that he is right. amazingly talented so did we lose the game yes but it was because the Titans won the game um 
the other part of that, which is a little bit more in the granular detail, is I think the for me, the worst part of the game was how we just forgot that we had tight ends on our team. We oh, have one drove tight me crazy. End. They threw it to Everett once in the game. Disley yeah. didn't touch the ball, right? Maybe he yeah, did. Right. Ball. Yeah. And, and Carol said, Carol said that they were, that, that there was plans. This was another sort of, I think, kind of, you know, sideways sort of slight, maybe at the quarterback. He said, I think, in his post-game press conference, maybe it was the next day. Uh, they had plans drawn up. They had plays out there on the field to go to the tight end and the quarterback went somewhere else. Yeah. And I don't, if, if one side or the other was responsible for losing the game, it was mm -hmm. the offense. I totally agree with that mm -hmm. concept. Like, did we give up a 60 yard touchdown to Derrick Henry? Yes, but it's Derrick fucking Henry. Yeah. We're going to do that. Right. We're going to do that. Every team in the NFL is going to do that at the end of the third quarter because it's Derrick fucking Henry, but like missing anything that was in that like 10 to 15 range uh, where the, the tight ends are typically hanging out. Like yeah. that's, that's choices, that's bad play design, or that's uh, uh, Russell Wilson not, not doing it and having, as you said, an addiction or erection for <laughs> long plays. I want to call were, out the there fact were that two my opportunities. Smash is, is, there was, is because uh, we had it and then we dropped it. And it's also yeah. because Derrick Henry ran right through it. <laughs> he, he ran right all over that case. Oh, yeah. Ahead, there, there, were, there were two opportunities the offense could have won this game. They had a lead with five and a half minutes left in the quarter. You go into your four-minute offense, and you, you check down the field, and you run down some clock, and you don't give the ball back, mm -hmm. and maybe you get some points at the end of it. I, the Seahawks went – I think they went three and out. Yeah, every, I think every drive in the fourth quarter was a three and out, wasn't it? Yeah. And so it now, you know, we, we give the ball back. They get another, and we go into overtime. The defense does its job. <laughs> we get the ball. It's in Russell Wilson's hand. This is his time. This is what he, Russell Wilson is born to do. And it, he takes a downfield shot at Tyler Lockett. It doesn't happen. He takes where another he had, downfield where he shot. Had the running back where he had the wide open back. in front of him. He takes another shot at, at a hobbled DK Metcalf uh, mm -hmm. who couldn't make the play because his knee was banged up uh, when he had the tight end, you know, like four to six yards. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he held onto the ball looking for somebody. And let's be honest, that was a safety. Like they were mm -hmm. really lucky yeah. to even like get another opportunity. Yeah. This was for Russell Wilson in the offense. This was like, a tale of two games. We talked about this in our group chat. There was that drive that closed out the first half. Mm -hmm. They had a minute four on the clock and they just went down that field, checking down that ball as fast as they could up tempo and got into the end zone. Yeah. Why didn't we do that again? I, I don't, I, I just don't understand it. I, I, I don't know if, if Russell in that moment where he was feeling pressure, it just kind of like um, went to what he's been doing for the past 10 years and these, you know, Daryl Bevel and Schottenheimer offenses where he kind of feels like he has to do the Russell Wilson scramble and play some backyard ball. 
but I, I have to believe that Shane Waldron and Pete Carroll had a better game plan, um, you know, for, for those moments. Well, was it, was it in the fourth quarter in overtime where I think it was third and two and he tries to throw a bomb to like DK. That was yeah. in, that was in the third quarter. And it was that, that, that had me pulling my hair out. I, I mean, mean I was just kind of third like, and two. we're just trying yards. to kill the clock. We've yeah. got a comfortable lead. Like yeah. let's just, just, just blow get the... it all down. Your defense needs yeah. a rest. Like there's a million reasons to not even try to score in a yeah. couple of these circumstances oh, totally. to just eat clock and move the ball. And here he is going for these, these bombs and looking for these long plays when exactly there's this check down opportunity. And then when he does do a check down, you're like, everyone was open. Where is this <laughs> super smart quarterback that we all love so much? Who's looking like a rookie in overtime, just throwing the ball anywhere instead of taking those little run plays and giving himself some space. And he ends up pinning, you know, the punter into the back of the end zone, giving them great field position in overtime, which is always a huge mistake. And how it, is it, it was, that we were up by 15 and Carson didn't even really touch the ball in the second half? Like well, he, he had 31 yards on, 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 on third and two and they tried to run it in a very Brian Schottenheimer, like obvious. That was the other thing that really, sure, I mean, I think the I mean, thing that probably try to commit to the run game is what I was saying. Yeah. yeah even when we had a healthy lead. Uh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. agree. So my question is Millie, are, are these problems fixable? Oh yeah. hundred percent. There's one of the big things that also stands out to me in this game are the penalties. Anytime <laughs> you're getting penalties, that means you could have fixed it. It means it was avoidable yeah. because, okay, look, let's just, that taunting call was absolutely ridiculous. Nonsense. That was, was nonsense. Was that was a, a terrible call. It was a horrible turn at a horrible time. And I think that um, they ended up getting a, at least a field goal out of that. Um, so that one seemed a bit unfair, but uh, I think it was Brooks pushed out of bounds, like late hit yeah, and got benched for roughing it. The, the roughing the passer. That was just completely avoidable. We had two roughing the passer calls. That's the stuff that you fix and you win this game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. You know, I, I know like with a, with a Pete Carroll team, you're always going to get some penalties. Pete Carroll likes his, his teams to play, just on that edge. Uh, and I think Sunday, uh, you know, we found out what happens when they kind of go over. Um, there there were a couple of times, I think Adams got one on a roughing the passer uh, when they had made like a crucial stop and it <clears> ended <throat> up extending it, extending it. I, yeah. that kind of stuff, I am confident Pete can kind of rein in. I know there's there was probably some things going on. They're jacked up to play in front of the 12s. The 12s were going crazy. And I know there was a lot of emotion going into that game. And uh, I'm hopeful that that can get reined in. I, 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 you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say that a lot of our vets played out of their minds. Bobby Wagner had a career game. Uh, I, he had 20 tackles, which you'd never want to see your linebacker get 20 tackles because that means uh, that offense was on the field a lot. But he was making stops. He, he was in his assignments. He was getting sacks. Tyler Lockett had almost 200 yards. 
Russell Wilson, uh, aside from some of the dumb uh, drives he had at the end of the game, I played out of his mind. I know he took advantage of broken coverage, but he, he was great up until that. He was a surgeon in that one minute offense at mm-hmm. the end of the half. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me really excited. Um, yeah. Uh, I, th- I thought the vets played really well. I, I I'm hopeful that a lot of this stuff about um, the reason why Derek Henry was able to break containment and the Titans were taking advantage of aggressiveness and stuff like that is all just because we have kind of a young defense right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hopefully uh, you know, like when the LOB was young, they kind of did the same dumb stuff. Earl Thomas was, you know, known for it in his first year. Um, and so I don't know, hopefully they can calm down and uh, we can turn it into a disciplined team because I think the Seahawks showed in their entire game against the Colts. And then for, at least half of the games against the Titans that they can be a, an extremely dominant balanced team when they're playing sound football and everything is clicking. Um, unfortunately, the rest of the NFC West won their games. Oh Seattle is now in fourth place. Two Which, games, two games. This is two games. Yes. But, and, and I'm not saying they're out of it. Uh, what I am saying is that in like historically the toughest division in the NFL, there is so little margin for error. And uh, I'm worried that, you know, game 17, we're going to look back and go, wow, we gave that one away. And that was, you know, between wild card and, uh, hosting, um, you know, uh, a home field uh, playoffs. Um, uh, Curtis, uh, how do you think we're stacking up with the NFC West? I, I, you know, the Cardinals had another good Mm -hmm. win. The Rams, you know, they had like a C plus B game against the Colts. Um, uh, the 49ers, uh, you know, they're, they, they look good, but, um, I don't know. They, they, it's not like they're blowing teams out. Um, what do you think? I think we still stack up pretty well. And I, I feel like Seattle probably still has the advantage because, um, regardless of how Russ finished the game, he is still clearly the best quarterback in the division. I feel like, and I feel, I I feel confident in that. I'll just go back to the game. The thing that, that really, and I, and I really do. I mean, I appreciate what you said, Alana, that it was not so much that we gave the game up, but it was how Tennessee played. But I really feel like, God, I feel like we gave that game up because if Jamal just would have played containment on that play, if, if, if Daryl Taylor would have played containment, on that other touchdown run if Russ would have find the checkdowns the biggest thing for me is where was all the motion plays that we saw mm-hmm. against the Colts where was all the misdirection the little you know the, the 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 slot receiver going back and forth just the little wrinkles that you know that got you know the defenders second guessing a little I mean that was that's that's like the staple of the Rams offense that we're supposed to be inheriting and taking on up here. And I felt like I was largely watching a Brian Schottenheimer offense. Mm 
Yeah. You know what and I think so it might be, like, Curtis? I'm thinking that? the fact that they haven't played in front of in front of fans for two years. I think that that's yeah. probably the main factor in all of that. That they're trying. That there was a lot of noise. There were a lot of amped up fans. Russell yeah. wanted to deliver the deep ball to impress to, to please the fans and really have that moment. Jamal wanted emotion. to do the same thing. Kandiche yeah. uh, wanted to do the same thing. Uh, I think that they we we've been in a year and a half of, of football yeah. without having people there going do it for us. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you have this just ejaculation of emotion at yeah. a football game. I mean, Daniel, you were there. Like, it was it crazy. Like, yeah, I, 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 it was it was jacked up. And and I, I, I kind of feel like coming into the second half, there was a lot of hubris going on. I think the team was kind of like, we are going to get this huge win for the fans. And I think there was just a lot of emotion and, uh, and their focus waned. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game next week. Minnesota is another tough opponent. I, I was saying, you know, before this season started that if we, you know, uh, won one and lost one in these first two games, we were going to be doing okay. We have a, a tough September and October of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of teams. And, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we can win more than we lose, I think we're going to be doing okay. But I, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, that we're going to drop a couple. I want to tell you what surprised me this week, because I was going through the stats and the first three receivers with the most yards is Debo Samuel of the 49ers, Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks, and Cooper Cup of the Los Angeles Rams. That's how tough the NFC West yeah. is. The NFC mm-hmm. West, by the way, is known for their defense, and it's their offenses that are coming out slinging. I, I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, Alana, what has kind of surprised you uh, uh, around the league on Sunday? I, the, the way that the Raiders are winning, like – in week one, it was that bananas end of the game against yeah. uh, against was it the Ravens? Yeah, uh, yeah. And mm-hmm. they just pulled that game out of nowhere. Uh, and then they beat the Steelers. And yeah. the Steelers, like I was, I was not watching that game. I was watching the Rams uh, Colts. Um, so I was following it on ESPN, and ESPN was breaking its back to pretend like the Steelers were competing the entire game game. it was like Steelers and Raiders are at are fighting for control of the game and the Raiders were up by 14 at the time and I was like I mean like (laughs) you have this headline and then these the scores right there it's like it looks like the Raiders are doing all right it's like Steelers they're they're fun to watch too yeah yeah totally and um don't get me wrong John Grudner's I can't stand that guy um (laughs) Uh, and Derek Carr is kind of like a weird um, robot, uh, but it's 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 fun to have a team in Vegas. It's fun that these fans are so into it. Um, I'm I'm enjoying that storyline. Yeah, and I you know I don't know I I, I mean uh, I I I remember when the Raiders were good in the '80s, and to me, it's always fun. I think the NFL is fun when the Raiders are good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Millie, what surprised you on Sunday? Um, Kansas city lost. Yeah, that was a fun game. Uh, Lamar kind of outplaying, uh, uh, Mahomes there. You know what was uh, Lamar looked a lot more like Lamar. Yes. And what was amazing too, was, um, 
you know, watching the the pregame hype and everybody's saying, you know, it's just not the year you, you just, you're never going to beat Kansas city, maybe next year, Lamar, you know, and, and the pundits are all picking their favorites. And I think it was Mike Tarico was the only one who was like, you know what? I'm going for the Ravens. <laughs> and the hubs was like, me too. I was like, okay, babe. <laughs> she was right. They were right. I mean, it was, and it was fun to watch because they were truly fighting this curse that they felt like you could feel it. And I wasn't necessarily cheering on the Ravens in that one, but after a while, it was just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to hop on the Ravens side today because this is too much fun to watch him just come back over and over. They could have lost that game so many times and they never, ever gave up. That was an impressive effort from a team that is plagued by injury, (laughs) plagued by doubt. And um, that was cool. That was cool. That was really fun. I, you know, the, I think uh, the Ravens and Kansas City is going to be a fun rivalry for, um, you know, years to come. Curtis, you guys, uh, I, I'm uh, sorry, I got, I got one yeah, more yeah. play. I just want to know if you guys actually saw this moment. If you all all saw this moment, uh, where, because I just saw it for the first time, where the Rams blocked their own punt. Or was it a field goal? It was a punt, oh, right? I, I they lost their own not. punt. I mean, they still won I their didn't game. See. But I just saw it uh, today, and um, it just made me laugh. Just made me uh, laugh. That's good. Hey, anytime uh, the Rams uh, can beat themselves, uh, I'll take that as a win. For sure. Yeah. Curtis, what surprised you? Um, I'm going to go out to left field on this one a little bit. Uh don't look now, but Sam Darnold and the yeah. uh, Carolina Panthers are 2-0. Uh, they beat up soundly on the Saints that beat up soundly on uh, the Packers the week yeah. before. And Darnold has been looking pretty good. Football Outsiders has him at the top of the DVOA. And oh, I wow. had a pull yeah. for this guy because I thought he got hosed a bit in uh new york for the jets i thought they gave up on him too soon yeah and how's zach Wilson I mean, doing over there yeah uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. Well, yeah you know he's playing for the jets and it's not I like know. they have a difficult schedule coming up they got the texans <laughs> and then the cowboys and then the eagles they could start off five and oh they yeah. you know what and and i remember darnold from the usc days and he came up here and whooped on the huskies my huskies uh soundly like god when was that game dan was that like five years ago or something like that and to me he looked like an athletic version of brady you know i just thought he was good he was like the surest thing out of that draft class so you know people have just been labeling him a bust and you know in that whole weird russell wilson trade thing there was some there was some speculations floated out there that Maybe if Seattle were to deal Wilson, that they would be interested in Darnold because Carol liked him and stuff like that. And and I know a lot of people on the sports radio end in this town were just laughing at it. But like, I don't know. I mean, who's laughing now a little bit? I mean, I mean Darnold's a little bit better than we thought he is, you know. 
I'd like to see yeah. him keep it up. I'd like to see him, you know. I'm rooting uh, for Darnold. I I, yeah. I kind of like it. I think he's I when he came into the league, he was young and he was a little immature. And I think he had a lot to learn. Um, I think he's one of those quarterbacks that could have benefited from sitting for a couple of years and really learning the X's sure, and O's of yeah. an NFL um offense. I think he was uh, only 20 years old when he came out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. And I, it. you know, I'm rooting for him. I, I hope he does well in Carolina and I'm glad he's getting a second chance. And I think Zach Wilson is looking and he's like, oh man, is that going to be me in four yeah, years? Yeah, I got drafted by the Yes, Jets. yes, it will be you because that's what the Jets do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing that surprised me was Carson Wentz having two ankles. Oh no, that oh, doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. Or uh, Tom Brady throwing five touchdowns. Oh, wait a minute. That, that doesn't surprise me either. And then we have Jameis Winston throwing a, a two picks and zero touchdowns and like 50%. Oh, hold on. Uh, we're, we're, we're going back uh, like three years. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, one thing that surprises me too, real quick, is that I had an emotionally positive reaction to something that happened to the Green Bay Packers, which was, I mean, you saw that Aaron Jones. Scored four touchdowns. He was wearing was, a necklace that has had his dad's oh, ashes in it, and he yeah. lost it on the field. And I was just reading an article today. One of the tra- the key trainer for the Packers combed the field until two a.m. until he found the necklace. Oh, I wow. love that. That's a great story. It's a great story. And Aaron Jones, like for as douchey as Aaron Rodgers is, Aaron Jones <laughs> seems like he's a, a wonderful human being. And I'm very glad. Like Packers fans, this I'm praising you for the first time ever. <laughs> I'm I'm glad Aaron Jones got his dad's ashes back. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, yeah don't no, judge, don't don't judge the Packers based on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, just oh, I uh, hate the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're like one of my aside from the Lakers, they're my least favorite team in sports. Uh, yeah all right well let's uh, move in uh, move on to next sunday so uh before we get to our uh prediction for uh how the seahawks are going to fare against the minnesota vikings on the road uh millie how how do we do from uh from last week do you have do you have those predictions uh i do i do and um no one did well <laughs> no nobody because <laughs> oh, of course no. first of all you know we all picked the seahawks to win <clears throat> yeah yeah. The highlights, uh, I would say, and I may be biased, is that I had us only winning by one point. Okay. <laughs> and, and we Curtis, lost. Curtis had it as a much higher scoring game than no, I thought it was going to be a high scoring game. Yeah. Curtis had it at 34 27. I just, um, how does my prediction line up if the game had ended at halftime? What was the halftime score? 24 to 9. 24 to 9. No, you, you, you said 21 17. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. And uh, was... for the record, Alana had 24-17. Okay. So, okay. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll put it up on the dork board when y'all pick your Minnesota picks, and we'll see if anyone does better. <laughs> yeah, well, just like the Seahawks are going to look at their uh, bad score uh, from Sunday, I guess we're looking at our own. That I said... mean, if nothing else, we'll just hope that Minnesota continues to miss field goals at the most yeah. opportune moments. Well, I, that's how it goes with Minnesota and Seattle, right? Yeah. 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 I, so we're going into Minnesota. Minnesota uh, has been um, good for Pete Carroll teams. Uh, uh, I think we we've won that series. Uh, I think he's beat them all. I think seven and oh, seven and oh, that's right. Uh, we're going into Minnesota. 
Uh, Kirk Cousins, I thought, has been playing pretty well. Um, yeah. I think he's been playing efficient ball. Um, I, I have been pretty impressed. That defense is suspect, and the corners especially. And I think Russell Wilson can really take advantage of that, and I think he will. Um, I, I think there's going to be another, just a lot of big plays. On the other hand, Kirk Cousins is the kind of quarterback that can uh, pick on our own backfield. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm a little scared about that, but it is Minnesota and Pete Carroll seems to be in their playbook a little bit. Alana, give me your prediction. We're on the uh, I think it's a, I do think it's a high scoring game. I think both defenses are going to be tested a lot. I think um, I, I am, like I said, of the opinion, similar to Millie of thinking that we're more the team we were against the Colts and the first half of the Titans game than we are in this, than we are the team in the second half of the Titans game. So I think the Seahawks pull it out. I think it's close. Uh, and I'm going to go with uh, 35 to 30 Seahawks. Okay. Alana. Oh, and I uh, also think, I also think Lockett has another two touchdowns and rings up 175. Oh, bold prediction. I like it. I, this is the year of Tyler Lockett. Oh, and I'm here God. for it. Yeah. I think people uh, are, are keying in on DK and Tyler Lockett is just taking advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, Millie, uh, what's your prediction? Struggling with this one a little bit because yeah. I believe in this team, but they make me real nervous. Um, I just want to say that I, I am concerned that we need to prepare for Dalvin Cook in the way we could not stop Derrick Henry. Uh, I think that's uh, that's a real concern for me. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to pick the Seahawks to win because we're all a bunch of homers. <laughs> but uh, I think, as usual, it's going to come down to a C- uh, to a uh, Minnesota field goal. So uh, my bold prediction is Seahawks twenty four, Minnesota twenty one. All right, Curtis, what do you got? I think the I think it's going to be a shootout between both the offenses. Um, both the defenses have their warts. I think the Minnesota defense has shown more warts than the Seattle defense has, despite the second half of last Sunday's game in Seattle. Um, I think I think Seattle gets back to the style of offense that they played in Indianapolis. I think they start seeing more of the quick passes and the motions and the misdirections and the jet sweeps and stuff, even if they don't have Eskridge in the game. Uh, I think Seattle wins a close shootout, 31-27. Um, I think in the last waning minutes of the game, Kirk Cousins gets picked off by Quandre mm-hmm. Diggs. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of a check down artist sometimes. And mm-hmm. sometimes that, that ball that, you know, if it caroons off the hands, it's there yeah. to grab. And yeah. I think um, I, I still believe in the Seattle defense. I think that they, I think that they, 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 the, the, the mistakes that they made last Sunday, I think are correctable mistakes. And I think they shot big in the end and we win. I agree. Uh, I actually, my prediction is very close to yours, Curtis. I'm predicting uh, 30 to 28. I also think this is, we're going to get an old school shootout in the OK Corral. Um, I think our pass rush is going to wake up, uh, I, you know, at at moments on, on this last Sunday, it was very good. 
Um, and uh, and I think it's going to stay consistent. Uh, I, I don't believe in um, the the line, particularly uh, the the left tackle and the guard of, uh, of Minnesota. And I think um, our Seattle defense is going to take advantage of that a little bit. I think we're going to get a couple takeaways. I think I also think we're going to get an interception. I think we're going to get a fumble. Uh, I think it's going to come down to uh, Seahawks have the ball and run out the clock. And we uh, we end the game in a victory formation. Nice. Yeah. The yeah. big news today that I heard from the Pete Carroll press conference is we're going to see more playing time out of Alton Robinson, who had that. He game. earned it. He was easily. He, uh, his, he had his, some his, of the his best PFF plays on been Sunday. Off the charts for the last two weeks. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, so that's the Seahawks, uh, the other Seattle team. We have, uh, you know, we have meaningful games in September out of our Seattle Mariners, which uh, we, you know, in the last 20 years hasn't been a thing that we've said. However, they don't control their own destiny anymore for those playoffs. It's uh, it's it's looking like it's probably not going to happen, but. They, there are some really nice things happening on that team and they're getting some really fun wins. Uh, I think um, hitting bullpen, uh, the, some of the starting pitchers are just out of this world. They've made the best moves this season than they have in like the last 25 years. Um, they've got some very, very exciting players. Alana, you actually went to a game this week, right? Uh, yeah, well, no, it was last week. Um, last was, week. Yeah, I, I saw the last game in the uh, Red Sox series, and the end of that game was just super disappointing. Yeah. We, um, they were, you know, they, we went into the 10th inning. Uh, the Red Sox scored a run almost immediately and then loaded the bases. And I was with my friend. I was like, we got to get out of here. Um, because I wanted to beat traffic and the Red Sox hung seven runs on us in the top of the 10th. Yeah. That's um, so I was like, yeah, that was a, the right choice to leave. But um, uh, I am there. They're up four one tonight. They yeah. won the previous two games four against now. Oakland. It's uh, been they, fun. It's been great. Like if they win tonight, I think they will be um, two back in the loss column uh, yeah. for a wild card spot. They'll, if they can win tomorrow, like I'm dreaming of sweeping the Ray or sorry, the A's in Oakland, like that's big. We'll that's win huge. the season series. Um, if we do that, I think we might have already won the season series. Uh, I think, I think there's still, there's still a shot. Like some things have out, to break our way, but yeah, they're, they're right. still I mean, a shot. the, but the Yankees and blue Jays and Red Sox, there's some variation of them playing one another. Yeah. Um, I believe, uh, and the the red uh, the Blue Jays lost today to the Rays. Yeah, the Blue Jays. I don't know. I just I think there's a chance. I think, and I wanted I want to be a naive little girl and just dream about it happening. <laughs> so let me be that. Yeah, uh, the Blue Jays play New York for a series, so we'll yeah. see. Yeah. So Millie, what the, I, you know, it, it would be a really great Cinderella story if we can sneak in on a wild card and go deep into the playoffs. Um, but there's still some pieces missing on this team. What going into next season, 
what are the kind of moves you think the 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 clubhouse needs to make to make this uh like a, a truly complete team that can compete at the highest level? Uh sure. Um I don't know. I mean, I think they just need to build on what they've got going. Uh-huh. You know, the trades, the trades that they made, we all, you know, I think most of Seattle held their breath every time one happened because we weren't sure if it was a good idea. And for the most part, these trades have really worked out. So I yeah. think a lot of it is, is, uh, is trusting the decisions that are being made. And I mean, as always, you, you just want to, I think we just need one more starting pitcher yeah, you can really deliver and can can go, you know, six or seven innings without having to call in the bullpen, you know, early consistently. Um, I think that might be to me, that's probably the biggest missing piece. We just need one more really solid starting pitcher. And I think that's the difference. I actually agree with you. Uh, and I think the clubhouse agrees with you too, just based on, you know, sort of the, the latest moves that have been going on. I think they're one really quality starting pitcher and a power hitter away from really being a team, you know, that's going to uh, um, uh, take their division and go deep into the playoffs. Um, Curtis, uh, what have you been, have you, have you, you've been watching some games this season. Mm-hmm. Have you been having fun? Like, you know, I know that you're, you're a bit of a, a fair weather, uh, uh, a fair weather Mariner fan. It's Mariner a, fan. I'm not ashamed uh, to admit it in this town, but that's okay. I, they're, no, they're, you don't they're, they're getting me back on board. They get me back on board, but you know, T-Mobile is a, um, it's a pitcher's park. It is a pitcher's it park. A, it was, it was, a, it was a, it was, a, it was, a, it was a park I think intended to have the Randy Johnson types. Absolutely. Place, you know, smack ball in. Um, so I, I just feel like, yeah, like I would be nice to see the Mariners go aggressive uh, to shore up, you know, the pitching rotation. Um, if they get another big bat in, you know, great. But I think they got a lot of bats, right? You know? They they got a, they've got some great hitting. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. They they yeah. Played, I would just and, shore up on the pitching and, and make it make it you know make it a tough club to score runs on. You know? Yeah, and uh, you know that's you know that's 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 how they were back when they were in the playoffs. You know. Uh, yeah. Go do that. <laughs> All right. Well, go ends. Yeah. Defense, defense wins uh, championships. That's, yeah, that's right. Uh, moving away from sports, you know, we always like to end our podcast with uh, with some non-sports dorkiness. Um, Alana, what do you got for us? What What are you dorking out on this week? Um, we've been uh, watching Reserva- Reservation Dogs. Excellent um, show. It's excellent. It's uh, the spiritual... Um, successor of uh atlanta i think yes. in a lot of ways yes. uh and i would not be surprised to see both uh bear and Alora dannon getting snatched up by marvel out of this uh, oh. to play to play yeah. various marvel characters because they're yeah. both excellent performers fantastic um, yeah and i'm also uh, I, I watched the trailer for the um the tragedy of macbeth uh the other day, um, the Joel Cohen 
Macbeth with Denzel and Francis McDormand and, produced by a 24. Yeah. And, like, and it's got like, all the ingredients for yeah. a, just a great movie. And I, I showed it to Beth and, and she was like, um, if you don't know what this is, then you're not going to know what it is from the trailer. Cause it's just the something wicked this way comes line yeah. with just shots, various shots of things in black yeah. and white. And like, yeah. I'm like, well, gonna have to watch that. So I wonder what happens. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, have you finished reservation dogs? We just finished episode four, which okay. was the one where um, his dad was supposed to come home. Yeah. Uh, it it, uh, it gets great. I uh, it was a surprise show to me. It, when when I saw the the previews, you know, before the show came out, I was very excited, uh, and it exceeded my expectations. Um, it's all filmed on location in mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Um, it's they they found non actors uh, who mm-hmm. like like the the kid who plays Cheese. This is oh, right. his first acting job like he's right. great he uh, is great i i uh i i i'm in love with it and i recommend it to uh to anybody it's on hulu uh co-produced by taika waititi who is mm-hmm. you know hollywood's kind of like it man right now and um mm-hmm. it's it's some good stuff millie what are you dorking out on well I, i'm dorking out over something i haven't started yet mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome is, uh, tell I'm me really- more I'm really excited to uh, start The Last Man. Why? Why The Last, the last Man? Yes. Uh, I watched the pilot episode uh, and I thought it was very well done. Um, I, 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 are you familiar with the source material? Yeah, which is why I'm excited. I didn't get very far with it. I only uh-huh. read, I think, the first little compilation comic. So, um graphic novel uh whatever you want to call it uh but i am looking forward to seeing it interpreted for the screen and uh, i don't because i only got that first snippet i don't know where the story goes so i'm excited to experience it through this television series the, it's the- making me a little anxious um to be perfectly honest i've seen four all four episodes because the core premise of it is inherently transphobic it's basically saying that that there's, there's a, a y and right yeah there's a biological essentialism to existence which is so if you have a y chromosome you're a man this is excellent i i want your perspective on this uh i i because you're correct you're absolutely right and i think that comic is very dated in terms mm-hmm. of gender um um, I don't want to say politics, uh, gender understanding as we kind of know it today, right? Yeah. Um, when I watched the pilot episode, it looked like they were kind of bringing the story into a modern lens. And I was very curious on if they were going to continue that or if this is just some, um, you know, thing that they're throwing at us that's like, uh, Twitter, don't come after us. Yeah, I think uh, what, what's interesting to me about it is that they are, it, it, by definition, if you have that premise and you're trying to do something that kind of fights against that premise, you're trying right. to have it both ways, uh-huh. right? It does. Like, it, I think it kind of does have it both ways. They're, they introduce trans male characters, trans yes. man characters into the narrative that are incredibly well developed um, and 
very interesting and probably my favorite character in the show. Um, but it's still at its core, yeah, a transphobic concept. Yeah. Um, and so that for me, it's just, it's, it's a pull and I'm going to, I'm watching it like, a, you know, removed from it, emotionally removed from it sure. um, because I'm monitoring it because I know so many people who deeply love the comic and who are so excited about this TV show. And I'm like, I just, I really want to see it. I really <laughs> want to see him have a trans woman in the show. Like yeah. I know that by definition they can't, but that doesn't mean anything. Make it work. Um, yeah, and like, well, listen, like sci-fi, yeah. you can fudge science all the time and it doesn't right. mean anything, we'll go with it. And and, yeah. and Millie, I'm sorry to jump in on, on your topic and, and I don't I don't mean to swamp you with this. So it's just, it's been on my mind a lot too. Well, you know, I'm excited to give it a try and I had not had that perspective on it. So I'm actually really happy that you brought it up because I think that's a, it's important and it's a, another lens to experience it through and make, and sort of, and, and judge and understand it. And uh, so that's, I'm, I'm really happy to have gotten your perspective. It's kind of a cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to watch watching it. something like that is keeping that kind of a perspective. Um, I'm going to change the subject because there is one other thing I'm dorking out over oh, that I wasn't going to tell you all about because, you know, we all have our reality show shame. Um, <laughs> But I have loved and hated and loved again the series Big Brother for like 20 years. <laughs> and um, we, we, we record them. So I have tonight's recorded. We're almost to the finale. And this is a very exciting season because it is 100% that an African-American is going to win. Um, and it's never happened in 23 wow. seasons of this. Yeah. Wow. Um, so uh, it has been a, a really cool and interesting game in order to make this happen. Six African-American players bonded on day one and said, we're going to do this. And not only is it happening, but an alliance of six has never made it to the end. That's amazing. So I'm very excited to see who wins in the end. Um, there's a lot of really great players so I'm really hoping someone great wins. It looks likely. Um, Who are you rooting for? Give us a name. Xavier. Us, just what's that? Xavier. Xavier. Why is Xavier winning? Uh, he's played the best game. He's a physical okay. threat. He has made lots of friends. He is, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. He's easy on the ice. <laughs> Never hurts in that game. No, um, absolutely not. He was throwing competitions in the beginning. People didn't even realize it. Like there's the game really does rely on your social as well as your physical and, and your mental as well. Uh, so he's my, he's my favorite to win. I also, you know, I don't want to give out any spoilers. The other person who probably should have won, who was the architect of the six um, who are called the cookout, by the way, um, <laughs> she if she could have found a way to the end, I don't think anybody would have let her get there. Then they should have hand the game to her on a silver platter because she made it happen. 
Good for her. I love, I think that's a great story. Xavier, if you're out there and if you're listening, <laughs> Millie thinks you're going to win. You should, you should come on to this podcast. We'd really like to have you. <laughs> Millie has a crush on you. She thinks you're very handsome. Devin, uh, stop. You should have stopped listening at this point. I'm very sorry. Uh, I love that. No, go big brother. That's uh, that's great. Curtis, what are you dorking out on? Millie, how far are you on Ted Lasso right now? Oh, that was going to be my dork out. <laughs> you can do it too. I can just sign off early, y'all. Uh, we actually just tonight just watched, to push the uh, yeah, season two, yourself. episode one. Okay. Oh, season two now. Okay, well, I'm going to try and do this without any spoilers at all. Uh, <laughs> Millie, you are going to get to season two, episode nine. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about this. I'm not going to say the, 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 the central storyline of anything about this because you're not there with us yet. <laughs> I will just say that this episode was so amazing to me in a standalone story. Specifically, I mean, talk about relatability. This, this reminded me of my life 20 years ago, <laughs> where I was living on Capitol Hill, downtown Seattle, Washington, hitting the clubs, doing the after-hour parties. Yeah. <laughs> Some girl <laughs> driving me nuts <laughs> and me questioning my whole entire existence. And uh, almost getting the crap kicked out of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or maybe getting the crap kicked out of me. I don't know, because it was probably ended up in a blackout drug that I didn't really remember the next day. This episode just epitomizes the hero's journey. And I thought it was amazing. I, 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 I saw a couple folks on my social media platforms going, Meh, and I'm kind of like, oh, that's cool, but... I think the mad people on that one is just that it isn't a part of the central storyline of the season. Yeah, that's fine. And then I'm like, fine. so what? Go fuck yourself. Like, I, I, yeah, it, who cares? There was so much special sauce in that episode. Exactly. I just, I just absolutely loved it. I loved it. Too. Uh, with, with a character that I think we've all just kind of wanted a, a little uh, yes. inside. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Uh, speaking of Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso won big on the Emmys, uh, yeah. which was really fun, including, surprisingly to me, uh, Roy Kent, uh, you know, winning an emmy um and uh i was uh i was really happy about that roy roy ken who uh, i you know i don't know it's 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 it's, it's, it's a it's a toss-up between roy kent and coach beard for me as as maybe my favorite character on that show God, but, I, um, I really i i i love jamie tart and and <laughs> yeah I, I think that that actor that plays jamie tart is he's terrific cool. he's just yeah, he, he is, is terrific to watch yeah there's a part of me that's like, I wonder if that guy really is Jamie Tart. Yeah, you know? I don't know. I don't have know. have you have you listened to any interviews with Brett Goldstein, who plays Rick Kent? <laughs> I haven't. He's his voice is a little bit more up here. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and he is the goofiest, like cuddliest type of human. It's, that's really funny. Playing just, just the surliest. Yeah, he's just like, I'm so happy to be around you all. That's there wonderful. is a six-minute video of him doing the entire Muppet Christmas Carol. 
I uh, I did see that, and that yeah. is hysterical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I you know Ted Lasso, huge surprise when it came out uh, last season, and I know we've talked about it before. Um, but uh, you know, <coughs> I, for my money, it's one of my favorite TV shows um, of all time. Uh, and I'm super glad it's on TV. Uh, I think that's it. Do, do you have any, anybody have anything else they're dorking out about? Foundation starts in two days. Okay, I'm very excited about that. Yes, that, that's true. We we should uh, let's talk about it next week. Sounds good. Are you watching right. that, Millie? Too. I'm planning to. I I showed the uh, the trailer to Devin because I'm not familiar with that i guess it's it's an asimov series that mm-hmm. he, books that yeah. he wrote i'm not familiar with it so I've read the um, first three okay yeah i i'm excited to see it it's something i don't know anything about awesome. yeah well i'm always a sucker for sci-fi yeah all right we're gonna talk next week this is uh daniel for alana millie and curtis and the rest of the 12 saying goodbye and go hawks go hawks go hawks, go hawks.